Hello and welcome to the G2 podcast. Great. So if you weren't here last week, we have uh, started a little series on the book of Hebrews. Um, So uh, Hebrews is uh, written by a Jewish writer. We don't know who wrote it to a Jewish audience. Somewhere between Jesus dying and 70 AD. And there's a bit of a pattern to the book of uh, uh, Hebrews. The author... um, names like a person or a character. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at the angels and then says Jesus is greater than that person. Then there's a warning and then there's a message of hope. So if you're a note taker, that's the structure for the talk today. There's a person greater than warning and hope. Um, So let's get into it. So when, if I said to you to picture an angel, what would you picture? What would come to mind for you if you were to imagine if that's possible for you? Would it be like a sort of ghostly figure? Would it be a, a solid figure? Would they... Would they be in white or colour or rainbow? Would they have wings or not wings? Would they be flying or walking or talking? What comes to mind for you? Angels is one of the few consistencies across the main religions and has even crossed into the secular world. So I grew up in a family that didn't go to church or didn't believe um, in Jesus or anything. But my mum used to talk about angels quite a lot, particularly in my teenage years. She, she was convinced, and might, she might still be convinced, that they're our angels for like every situation so she'd say there's an angel looking after our car and there's an angel looking after our house and there's an angel looking after the bathroom I don't know there's like an angel for everything and then we could talk to those angels and they they would like protect us I guess I mean we had a really serious car accident when, when I was eight so if they were ill they weren't doing their job um and I came I'm joking right like I don't believe in them um so they came, I do believe in angels just not those oh my gosh right <laughs> Keep talking, keep talking. We'll edit this out of the the bit later. Okay. So I came across this website called Llewellyn.com, which is a new age publisher. um, And there was an article there on angels. And the author, who's called Anna, claims to make regular contact with angels and says that they are not linked to any religion at all, uh, no faith at all. And this is what she writes. Angels are concerned with helping you helping you to make the most of your human journey and fulfilling your destiny. So that's why they exist according to new age thinking. They're just solely there to make our lives better. And she also writes about how there are different types of angels. She says guardian angels, helper angels, and archangels, which are like chief angels. And she says that they love you unconditionally. But what's interesting is throughout this article, she references where she gets the information from. And um, the reference that she uses for the archangels is the book of Revelations. So obviously, they're not related to any religion, but we're just going to source the Bible for that particular bit. (laughs) So why don't we jump into the Bible now? So if you um, have it on your phone or if you have a Bible with you, we're in Hebrews today, Hebrews 1 and 2. So Hebrews 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets 
at many times and in various ways. So remember, the writer is Jewish, speaking to Jewish Christians, um, and some translation to the word ancestors here would be fathers. So the writer is talking about Moses, Joshua, Abraham, Elijah, those like founders of the faith from the Old Testament. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors. God spoke to those people in various ways. And some of those various ways are, spoke to Moses in a burning bush. God spoke to Elijah with a still, small voice. God spoke to Isaiah with a heavenly vision. God spoke to Amos with a basket of fruit. God spoke to Daniel through the angel Gabriel. And in fact, angels appeared at significant times in the Old Testament and as one of the significant various ways that God spoke to people. So one appeared to Hagar in Genesis 16 when she was running away from Abraham, but the angel called her back. One appeared to Abraham just as he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac and stopped him. One appeared to Jacob, telling him to return to his homeland. God promises to send an angel for Moses to drive out the enemies. Those are just a few examples of where angels appear in the Old Testament. Megan did a cracking talk on angels and all sorts of things like that last term. So if you haven't listened, I'd recommend that one. So for Jewish Christians that would be reading this book, reading this letter at the time, they, uh, angels were a key part of their faith and had, and they knew that they were a significant way that God communicated with his people since creation. And then in Hebrews 1 verse 7, it says, in speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. And this is quoting Psalm 104, where it says, he makes Um, wins his messages, flames of fire, his servants. So what this is saying is that the angels are messengers of God existing to serve God, Yahweh, our God, bringing his word to his people, acting kind of like a bridge between Yahweh and his people. They are not made to serve our needs and to look after us like the New Age thinking would suggest. They are there to serve Yahweh. And the writer here of Hebrews is saying, hey, remember the messengers who spoke to your ancestors. Remember how important they are. Remember their significance. Well, Jesus is greater than them. So Hebrews 1 from verse 3 onwards, I'm just going to read the message version here. After he finished the sacrifice for sins, the son took his honored place high in the heavens, right alongside God, far higher than any angel in rank and rule. Did God ever say to an angel, you're my son, today I celebrate you, or I'm his father, he's my son. When he presents his honored son to the world, he says, all angels must worship him. And the the writer goes on in this way, and each line here, if you've got a Bible that shows you like references, you'll see it's quoting Old Testament scripture. So um, verse 5, where it says, you are my son, today I have become your father, is quoting Psalm 2, verse 7, you are my son, today I've become your father. In verse 5 again, it says, I will be his father and he will be my son. Quoting 2 Samuel 7, 14. 
in verse 6. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him, which is quoting Deuteronomy 32, where it says he will take vengeance on his enemies and let all the angels worship him. Verses 8 to 9, it says, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And that's quoting Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7. So the writer is demonstrating his knowledge of the Torah, of the Old Testament, and he's showing that he's not sort of ignorantly dismissing angels. He's not going, yeah, 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 angels, but Jesus. He's saying, yes, angels are hugely significant, but they are part of the old covenant, and Jesus is the new covenant. He is greater than them. He supersedes them. The angels were the messengers, but Jesus is the message. The angels delivered the word of God, but Jesus is the word of God. But this comes with a warning, like I said, and this is seen um, in Hebrews 2 from 1 to 5. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every notation and disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So I'm going to share a little secret with you now. If you know me, you'll know that I am very, very tidy, clean, and organized. Like, I would label everything if I could in my house. I'm not allowed, but I've labeled quite a lot. But my handbag is my dirty little secret because it's always full of stuff, and I never clean it. So, for example... I haven't, like, genuinely, I've just grabbed this today and I don't know what's going to be in here. Okay, this is classic. So many pens. Why? Pens of every colour. A hair bubble, obviously, need that. Um, rubbish, more pens. Uh, headphones, more headphones, just a variety of headphones. A wire that I can't use, doesn't fit any plugs in my house. Why am I carrying that around with me? Loads of ibuprofen, because you never know when you might need some ibuprofen. So much stuff in here. More, more anodin. Is it like, <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to write to Alison Gray, I'm okay. Um, uh, we've got hand wash, we've got mints in here, we've got a fidget for uh, Aaron who loves fidgets. That's a really annoying one in particular. Also, a little snack bar, not for me. Um, but somewhere in here, I think, and I've been carrying this around for a while, is this. Ah, oh, what is that I hear you say? This is a fossil from, I can't remember what beach, Runswick Bay. Bay, which is great for fossils if you've never been. And um, I would imagine it's been a few years, certainly not this year we've been to Runswick, maybe last year, maybe a couple of years ago. This was found by Morgan, um, my son who's 12. And when he found it, to him, this was the most precious thing. This was like 
this is incredible, mum. Look at it. Look at all the layers in it. Just couldn't stop talking about it. And he carried it around all day as we walked around the beach. He was looking at it, examining it. It's really, really old. And then at the time when we came to leaving, obviously, I was like, now we put it back. He was like, oh, no, no, no. We have to take it home. And so into the handbag it went. The most precious thing that he could ever imagine. And in the handbag it has stayed for potentially two years. I'd need to clean my handbag more. But um, this, when I found this this week, it made me think about this message that is the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about and how at the time that Morgan found this, this was the most precious thing ever. He absolutely loved it. So much so that he wanted to bring it home. So much so that he thought, this is going to take like pride of place in my bedroom. I'm going to like look at it every day and think about it. And he never asked for it again. Like He put it in my bag, and then that's it. And it, this week, we found it. And he was like, oh, yeah, that thing I found ages ago. Um, and it made me think, this is kind of what we sometimes do with the gospel message. We, when we first discover the gospel message, it's like the most incredible thing ever. And we carry it around with us, and it's amazing, and we want to tell other people about it. But at some point, it gets put in the handbag or a pocket, or it, we put it down somewhere, and we sort of forget about it. Like, we still think, yeah, that's cool, but it's like... It's been put away, and we've forgotten about it. And this is the warning for us that the writer of Hebrews is giving us. He's saying, pay attention to what we have heard, to this message of salvation. Because anything that the angel said wasn't just important, it was God's word, and therefore it was binding. It was what God decreed. Therefore, if the Jesus is greater than the angels, and if Jesus is the message, then how much more should we pay attention to salvation? How much more should we treasure this gift that is given to us and not forget about it? Don't put it in a bag and live in this state of assumed salvation. This state of like, yeah, yeah, I've got it, but it's like in my pocket. It's, it's out of sight. Let's carry it with us every day and live in a place of everyday salvation. Let's look at it every day with the awe and wonder of the very first day that we saw it. And then the writer finishes with a promise of hope um, in Hebrews 2 from verse 14 to 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, Abraham's people, the people of God. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Jesus was made fully human in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. 
So this is good news. This is the hope. It is good news and it is for everyone. And when we put it in our bags and forget about it, we are also stopping others from hearing about it and seeing it. Jesus didn't come for the angels, it says. He didn't come for the people who have everything sorted. He came for those who fear death. He came for those who suffer with temptation. It says, Jesus, the word, became flesh and shared in the humanity of people. He wasn't ashamed to call people his brothers and sisters. And by his death, he could break the power of death and free those in fear of death. Because he suffered, he can help others who suffer. Jesus was greater than the angels because he became flesh and blood. We don't have to, in the same way that to try and imagine the angels, we all have different pictures in our mind, but Jesus was flesh and blood. He walked this earth with us. And this is not just for us. It is for everyone Are we willing to share it? Have we put it in our handbags or our pockets and kind of forgotten about it? Our purpose at G2 is to be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. And over the past year, maybe two years, I think we've really focused on that first part of of that, of our own discipleship. It's why we stayed in the book of Matthew for so long, so that we could really journey with the idea of discipleship. It's why we set up small groups in the way that we have as the place where the Bible teaching has been done over the past couple of years, so that we can go deeper with other disciples. It's why we've sometimes had the worship band in the middle of the room, so that we don't accidentally let them do our worship for us, so that there's nothing standing between us and God, I mean, obviously, we're in a building, but metaphorically, as we do our worship. It's why we did our first ever weekend away this year, so that we could connect with each other much more deeply, which is vital to being disciples. It's why there's often a practical element to how we gather. We do Zone Sundays, we do Beesum Sundays, so that we can equip one another to live for Jesus every single day. It's why we do Ignition Sundays as well, and we have all sorts of different people People leading and speaking because all of us are disciples and one is not more important than the other. Over the past year or two, we've been building the foundations for church, but now it's time to really start laying the bricks and the doors and the windows. And I hope that we put loads of doors in and loads of windows in, loads of access points because it isn't for our own benefit, the church. As we have been praying about what God has in store for G2, we've sensed a posture change coming, no longer focusing just on our own discipleship, but looking outward and focusing on all those who need to hear this message. And it's not just the senior leaders that have been sensing this, it's right across the church, people saying to me, we've got to get out of these walls, we've got to step out and do more. It's time to start sharing. It's time to start being disciples who make disciples. It's time to empty out our handbags and uh, let others share in the good news that we have that we've maybe kept hidden away. Matthew 5 says you don't put light under a bowl. You put it on a stand to give light to everyone. And as Hebrews 2 reminds us, this is not just a matter of making people's lives a little bit better. That's not what we're offering here. This is a matter of salvation. 
The stakes are eternal. This is not palliative care, keeping people feeling comfortable until the end days. This is an eternal salvation with Jesus. And if, as a church, we are being called to share the gospel, then yes, there are changes we need to make structurally. So we are making our small groups kind of more user-friendly. We're doing like mini-series covering themes rather than books of the Bible. We This week, we're starting a series on failure. We've got one on friendship coming up. We're going to be doing toolbox weeks, which are really practical and all of them ideal to invite people along to that have got questions and want to explore. We'll be having more sort of social weeks, but we're going to call them connect weeks because it's not about us just hanging out as a little group. It's about inviting people in or getting out and doing social action and connecting with the people in the city that we live in. Our Sundays, there will be more Bible teaching because that is so key to us as a church, but still done in a way that is relaxed, invitational, and still creative weeks like Zones and Ignition and Beesum, all those sort of more creative weeks that we can invite people to. But that's just a small part of what this next season looks like. That's like structural stuff. What then is your part in this? What are you sensing? What's God saying to you? Who has God put in your life? I'm not saying what massive project can you do, but who has God already put in your life that you might need to share what's in your handbag, what you've been kept hidden? Where are you shining your light? At work, at university, in a pub with friends, in your hobby? Who are you inviting around to get to know more? your neighbours, your colleagues, your teammates, who can you invite into your life just to share what it looks like to be a disciple? I'm going to pass back to uh, Josie and Luke now to just lead us in the next section.